Good evening. It's good to see everyone out tonight. I know we have a lot of folks that are sick, but even so, we do still have a nice crowd and so glad that you are here. You know, it's a good idea, I think, to periodically refresh our memories about why we do certain things in the Church of Christ. You know, most of us have questions like the one we're going to be covering tonight, and, and we need to be prepared to give an answer. So here goes. Why does the Church of Christ observe the Lord's Supper weekly? We in the Church of Christ, we do our best to follow the pattern of worship of the first century Christians. Matthew chapter, five, chapter 15 verse 9 teaches us that the doctrines and commandments of men render our worship vain and worthless. Also, Paul, Paul taught by inspiration in Romans chapter 10 verse 3 that the Jews being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness had not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So with this thought in mind, we see that in order to be assured our worship is according to God's righteousness and not men's, we look to the pattern of worship practiced by the first Christians as recorded by the inspiration of God. And we follow only that pattern and we add nothing to it or subtract anything from it. On Pentecost, when the church was established, as we read in Acts chapter uh, 2, verses 41 and 42, we see these words. It says, They then that received his word were baptized, and there were added unto them in that day about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and the prayers. It's significant that Pentecost being 50 days after, Sabbath, after the Sabbath day fell on the first day of, week, of the week, 50 days being seven weeks plus one day, making it the first day of the week. So Christ church was established, it was established on the first day of the week. And notice the words, continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread. The words breaking of bread are used here in reference to the Lord's Supper in this instance. And I'm not an English major, and some of you, some people hear me speak and wonder if I've paid any attention in school at all. I mean, growing up, my mother couldn't stand for me to use bad grammar. And she corrected me, and, and I did pay attention in school, so I actually do know proper grammar for the most part. But growing up in the rural South, uh, well, saying something like, uh, I ain't got no. I mean, that just comes so naturally to me. With that said, I had to look up the breakdown of grammar here in these verses in Acts and also had to refresh my grammar skills for most of the rest of the lesson. So, uh, bear with me on this, but the definite article, the, sets this apart from breaking bread at home and sharing their common meals uh, seen later in verse 46. What's also significant here is the word continued. You can't continue something that has not already begun, so we can rightfully conclude from this that the 3,000 souls baptized on Pentecost partook of the Lord's Supper that day. The fact that they continue to observe it steadfastly indicates 
that this is not a one-time occurrence for a new Christian only. Rather, it's an event that was observed on a regular basis. Then we need to determine from Scripture precisely when the Christians observe the Lord's Supper and follow their example. And in Acts chapter 20, we read of Paul worshiping with the Christians in Troas. Paul arrived in Troas where it's written that he, Luke, and other uh, traveling companions stayed seven days. That's in Acts chapter 20, verse 6. This would have been on a Monday. It's significant here to know that Paul waited seven days in order to meet the entire congregation. Uh, notice what verse 7 says. Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Notice the words, when the disciples came together. The word when is an adverb that limits an event to a specific time, and in this case, a specific day, a day. And this weekly event was understood to refer, was understood to uh, refer to a specific day when that assembly took place. And knowledge of this event was commonly known, so it was expected that the readers would also know about it, keeping in mind that Acts 2 teaches us that there is a frequency of breaking of bread. Acts chapter 20 verse 7 teaches us that the first day of the week was when this event routinely took place. Acts 20 verse uh, 7 teaches us uh, more than when Christians came together to break bread. It also teaches us that they, uh, when they did not. We know for a fact that breaking of bread in this context is the observance of the Lord's Supper, and it's not a common meal because the common meal was not eaten only on the first day of the week. If it were a common meal, certainly Paul and company did not wait seven days to eat. The breaking of bread in Acts chapter 20, verse 7 was done only on the first day of the week. If this breaking of bread were done any day other than the first day of the week, then the first day of the week would not have been when it was done. Does that make sense? Also, if it were acceptable to absorb the, observe the Lord's Supper on any day of the week other than the first day of the week, Paul would not have constrained, been constrained to wait seven days to observe it with his brethren in Troas. Saturday would have been much more convenient time than Sunday, maybe. You know, I read somewhere in the first century uh, that Sunday was possibly a work day, just like all the rest of the work days of the week, and it's likely why the Christians met in the evening uh, with Paul's sermon continuing past midnight. Maybe Christians had to, had to make uh, do, you know, sometimes meeting early in the morning before work or late in the evening afterwards, and maybe that's not true at all. I don't know, but regardless, they always met on the first day of the week to worship and to break bread. You know, people criticize the Lord's Day only, observance of the Lord's Supper, and they frequently refer to Acts chapter 2, verse 46 to support their beliefs. And it's a known fact that the phrase breaking bread meant either eating a common meal or partaking of the Lord's Supper. And this phrase is what's known as an idiom. I had to look that up. 
An idiom, uh, I looked it up and the dictionary says an idiom is an expression whose meaning is not derived from the usual meaning of the constituent elements. Well, what's that mean? Well, phrases such as uh, something like kick the bucket or you hang your head, you know, you're kicking the bucket doesn't mean you're ki actually kicking a bucket. So another, another way to put it is an expression can have a literal meaning or it can have a figurative meaning. You have to see in what context that it's written to determine. So in this case, the phrase breaking bread was understood to refer to both a common meal or the Lord's Supper. And the only way to determine which one is used here in the context is, uh, look at Acts chapter 2, verse 46 through 47. It says, we read, uh, when we read, so continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. The context of Acts chapter 2, verse 46 through 47 is the context of a meal or eating food. This usage of the idiom, breaking bread, then is understood as referring to a common meal and not the observance of the Lord's Supper. The first century Christians partook of the Lord's Supper when they assembled on the first day of the week and they assembled every first day of the week. And notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 20 and 33, Paul chastises the Christians for unbecoming behavior concerning the observance of the Lord's Supper. Verse 20 reads, When you come together, therefore, in one, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. This is similar to a school teacher telling her pupils, When you come to class... You're not here to study. What is meant here is that they should have come to class for the purpose of studying. But because of their misbehavior, and that's not the case. It's similar when Paul told the Christians that they should have come to the assembly for the purpose of observing the Lord's Supper, but it was obvious from their, their misbehavior that they were not there to properly observe the Lord's Supper any more than the misbehaving school children came to study. Verse 33 reads, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And notice the, uh, the words again, when you come together. The Corinthian Christians were observing the Lord's Supper every time they assembled, although improperly, but it was every time nonetheless. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 2 tells us exactly when they assembled and how often. The New American Standard says, Now concerning the collection for the, for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also, on the first day of every week, let each one of you put aside and save, as he may prosper, that no collections be made when I come. So also does the RSV, the NRSV, like the NAS, they say this passage as being the first day of every week. And the Greek word, the Greek words for every first day are, and I'll, I'll kill this, is, I'm, I don't speak Greek, it's kata mian sabatu. The word kata is translated every in Acts chapter 14, verses 23. Every church. And again, every, in Titus chapter 1, verse 5, every city. 
Kata means the same thing in connection with the first day of the week in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 2. In verse 1 in particular, we see that the churches of Galatia were also instructed, so we know that this is applicable, applicable to the whole church in general. In addition, we have, have to acknowledge that not only was the church established on the first day of the week and that the first Christians assembled to partake of the Lord's Supper on the first day of every week, by the time of the writing of the Revelation, chapter 1, verse 10, John made reference to the Lord's Day. And this can be no other day than the first day of the week. The New Testament gives a lot of importance to the first day of the week. The psalmist wrote... Uh, in Psalm 118, verses 22 through 23, the stone that the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus referred to this verse in his rejection by the Jews and in their destruction that we can read in Matthew chapter 21, verse 42. But Peter applied it more specifically to Christ's resurrection in Acts chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. There are occasions in Scripture where day, where a day refers to a dispensation of time, especially in the messianic content, such as uh, Zechariah chapter thirteen, verse one. And, and while it's uh, okay to view the day that the Lord has made in Psalm one eighteen as the dispensation of an age, not a single day, but a dispensation of, a, of an age. Peter connected Psalm 118 specifically to the resurrection of Jesus, which, were, which occurred on the first day of the week in Mark chapter 16, verse 9. Jesus made the first day of the week special when he overcame death and was resurrected from the, from the grave. John acknowledged that fact when he made a, a reference specifically to the Lord's day in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. The Lord's day has been assigned a day belonging to the Lord and can be no other day than the first day of the week, the day the Lord hath made. In addition to Acts chapter 20, verse 7, being when the disciples came together to break bread, as we saw earlier, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2 says that the first day of every week was when Paul instructed the saints in Corinth to lay by in store as God had prospered them. It was only on that day that the first century Christians congregated and who were also commanded not to forsake their assemblies. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. We read in Mark chapter 16 9 that Jesus was resurrected on the first day of the week. Christ appeared after his resurrection on the first day of the week. John chapter 20 verses 26. Pentecost occurred, Acts 2, with the Holy Ghost descending Verses 1 through 5 in Acts 2, on the first day of the week, and 3,000 souls were baptized and added to the Lord's church on Sunday, and they partook of the Lord's Supper on that day, and then continuing thereafter steadfastly. And finally, there's a evidence of weekly observance of the Lord's Supper from uninspired writers back in history, way back in history. Augustus Neander said the celebration of the Lord's Supper was still held to, uh, to constitute an essential part of divine worship on every Sunday as appears from Justin Martyr. And I've got the uh, 
book that came from, if you want to know what that is. And another one called the Didache, which is an early uninspired document from about 120 AD, says that every day, that every Lord's Day, you gather yourselves together and break bread and give thanksgiving. Other uninspired historical sources affirm that it was the universal practice of the Christians to assemble on the first day of the week to sing and pray and partake of the Lord's Supper together. The evidence for regularly observing the Lord's Supper on and only on the first day of the week, every week, is just, it's just overwhelming. Since those in the church of Christ today want to pattern their worship in every way after the examples given in the New Testament, it's for this reason we hold to that pattern of worship today, con continuing steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and the prayers, just like they did in Acts chapter 2. And we know that if we believe what they believed, live how they lived, teach what they taught, and worship how they worshiped, will be assured of being today just what they were that back then. They offered acceptable worship to God in the first century and left their pattern for us by inspiration through the scriptures. We can follow that pattern precisely and be today what they were then, and that's faithful Christians, worshiping and serving God in spirit and in truth.